think I'm set. Are you set? I think so. Are you good? Are you guys good at home? I'm talking directly to the audience now, breaking the Uh-oh. fourth wall. Is it a fourth it's wall collapsing. in in a podcast? Yeah. Because there are no walls. Because it's audio. Does, does visual have walls? Is yeah. That, what are the I walls? mean, because the fourth wall refers to like the the wall of the set. That's like the stage. You know what I mean? Okay. Because like referring to like a a box set where it's like you've got mm-hmm. stage left, stage right, and like upstage that are all like walled in. And so the fourth wall is the wall that is the audience. And so breaking the fourth wall is talking directly to them. Yeah, like the illusionary wall that yeah. should be there, but we can see through. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing in acting. They tell you to, um, when you're rehearsing at the very least, to put items along where the stage line would be mm-hmm. uh, so that you can live realistically in this world. Because realistically, you have stuff along all four of your walls. Well, mm-hmm. kind of. And so they say, like, put a dresser there or put like something there to interact with so that it feels like there's that fourth wall, even if it's not there. Just kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Breaking the third ear, second ear, first ear, third eye, third eye blind. Let's not try to <laughs> break any barriers right now and just <laughs> stick with the fourth wall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just thinking, because there's no walls here. I mean, the person could be in their car. They're audio walls. They're, they're audio just, walls. They're, they're ear, ear Your walls. Your ear canal walls. Yeah, those. Things. Eardrums. We're going to erupt those. Burst them. <laughs> Burst them, bro. Yep. Burst an ear. Break them down. Hell yeah. What are we talking about today, Noah? Stuff. <laughs> and what <laughs> show is this? Stuff. this is who Noah are you? Asked. I'm Noah. Who um, am I? You're, you're Joey. The Joey. <gasps> it's me. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> and today we are talking about alcohol. <gasps> Specifically, nothing. <laughs> Just, alcohol. nothing. Just alcohol. Just alcohol. Dude, I know a lot about alcohol. Uh oh. Life has taught me a lot about alcohol. Right? Yeah. This semester, we have both reached our legal age of drink consuming the. The sweet nectar. Yeah, all of my the sweet nectar. It's not very sweet. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. No. All of my experience with alcohol is definitely in the last like three months. Yeah. For sure. That's all I've had. Yep. I've, and I've packed a lot of experience. <laughs> a ton. No, I break the statistic. I drank before I was legal. That uh, breaks the, 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 the statistic. I break the law, not the statistic. And I was like, I'm you probably are part of it. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? It was like forty nine percent of people have try to drink at the very least according to peer research ages 12 and up 49 percent of people have at least tried to drink and or continue drinking i feel like that's higher i feel like i've definitely seen other ones too that have like yeah. said like 60 and 70 and oh that's just the one i saw is like a 2015 and it's very similar to the marijuana statistic for people who've tried that see i think marijuana would be a lot less just because there's that little bit of like fear like a little more <laughs> risk than what would be with the alcohol yeah, because alcohol is like despite you being underage is still like a legal substance mm-hmm. whereas marijuana <laughs> i need to stop saying it. you like really that. do <laughs> uh the weeds is, is <laughs> so much better is, infinitely better is it better to just be like oh yeah the weed i've tried the pot i do a weed that's my favorite. It's oh, like weed. it's like if people are like, "Oh yeah, dude, you smoke." I'm like, "Yeah, man, I do a weed. <laughs> I'll do a weed with you." <laughs> a singular. What are we, are we talking? Like a dandelion? <laughs> I'll fuck with that. Yeah, man. You can you can make jam out of those. Is that a, is that a yellow one or is it a one of those white ones? That I you think blow on? I think it's the yellow one. You take the flowers and you can make them into jam. Okay. That, I think I I've know. had that one time. I think I was pretty impressed yeah. when I had it too. I've had some weird jams. I had one that was like. It was like a weird spread made from like the milk inside of the dandelion stem. The weird like gooey stuff that when you pick them, you're just like, "Ew, my hands are gross now." <laughs> and so uh, somebody decided to put that on bread, and yeah. I tried it. it was, Good idea. Uh, 
not it great. <laughs> I didn't like it. Oh, sad. I mean, some people might. It's just not my thing. Like mm-hmm. alcohol. Alcohol's my thing. Oh, it is. I am, I am too good at drinking alcohol, I would Too say. good at it. <laughs> what would, does it take to be good at it? Just um, putting it in your body. You and, put it in your body. You don't make a face. You don't make you, a face. Yeah. Does it have to stay in your body? <laughs> yes, it has to stay in your body. Although, as of late, like just part of growing older, I think, just is learning how to better like deal with the after effects of alcohol for instance i gave up about a year ago on trying to hold it in my body the whole night because only about like maybe 40 percent of the time does that ever pan out where it's like it's in my body and now it's just gonna stay there mm-hmm. most of the time in the morning it like comes out anyways so i'm like well if i just like throw up now then i can sleep better <laughs> <laughs> my stomach's not gonna hurt yeah and the next morning you just have yourself a good old brunch burger or a hangover fixer mm-hmm. whatever like your Some... local diner decides to call <laughs> lots of grease yeah. maybe a raw egg i don't know you ever notice that like a hangover burger is literally just like things that are on the menu and we just shove them together so it's like <laughs> you're not gonna care he just yeah. as much as possible <laughs> yeah it's like here's a here's a hamburger that's got chili and egg hash browns ketchup onions and fryer grease just like poured <laughs> in the middle of it it's like that's gonna fix your hangover it's like i don't know i think food food will fix my hangover <laughs> just in general i don't need to do that at atrocity it's like five layer nachos just (laughs) on a burger it's like that's not for me it's like it's like how everything's a bar in a college town like uh, every hangover burger is also a nacho (laughs) (laughs) just put some chips and some cheese in there and it's good there you go i can make that at home for less than 12 dollars shut up ladybird diner get out of here (laughs) get out of here (laughs) as we have both consumed alcohol do we actually know like what alcohol is it is a liquid. It is a liquid. Uh, you put it in your body, and it makes you more confident. Maybe. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> and it makes you uh, sexier. <laughs> in your own eyes? Uh, it makes me funnier. <laughs> in learn, your own eyes? <laughs> I learn a magic trick. That's real. <laughs> I don't know. I'd still, there's still a magic trick. I haven't figured out how I do it. It's a card <laughs> trick. And what else does it do? It makes you sleepy sometimes. Yeah. I don't know, Noah. What is alcohol? It is a central nervous system depressant. That's what I saw. Big words. Big words. For me. That means <laughs> it shuts down things, which, it, which should probably not be shut down entirely. Yeah. Uh, what I have is it inhibits the function of your uh, central nervous system. Those uh, are the same words just put I in a different I order. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm reading from my paper, Noah. You guys can hear my rustling? Yeah, I have a, I have a physical pad of paper this week. Oh, well, what a hipster with his notepad. No, next week I'm going to have a fucking scroll. Oh, damn. <laughs> the next, after that I'll have cuneiform on a stone tablet. <laughs> but no, so it is a chemical depressant, which means it acts very similar to tranquilizers or sedatives which is why it makes you sleepy but if you keep drinking a lot of it and you resist the urge to sleep then things feel better except for sex because sometimes it inhibits blood flow <laughs> which means that you get what's called the whiskey dick nice i guess this is, this is an educational podcast just learning it can cause erectile dysfunction just temporary or permanent temporary but there are no studies that i saw that linked it to permanent erectile dysfunction like nothing like fully correlating Mm -hmm. uh which we're gonna have a a couple things this episode that are like (laughs) oh yeah it does this thing maybe yeah (laughs) someone proved it and another person said no so who do you yeah it's always like interesting to see that it's like oh yeah this case study of 360 people said yes and this case study of 400 people said no it's like "Uh, okay well is there another (laughs) one those are kind of small yeah yeah is there like another one with like 2,000 people people or something mm-hmm. like that um but yeah no it's it messes with your brain mm-hmm. and makes you do silly things sometimes now why on earth would you like that noah 
Like, what, what does it do to you? Why do you drink? It does those silly things to your brain. And mm-hmm. like you said, it can make you confident. It yeah. can make you feel sexy and funny. <laughs> Whether that's actually true or not is well, irrelevant because everyone else yeah. around you thinks it too because they're also intoxicated. Yeah. There's this fun study I read one time. I don't have this on my, on my scroll, so you're not going to hear it. But um, uh, where going on a date with someone like to a bar or somewhere that serves drinks and then just getting drinks together at the bar, even if it's not actually alcoholic the placebo of that makes both of you more likely to share personal information huh it's like you could literally like have water in a martini glass and just like drinking that and then she has her own water in a martini glass or whatever it's like if the other doesn't know that they're not drinking alcohol mm-hmm. they will then assume and believe anyways and so it just kind of like lubricates even though it's not actually doing anything yeah it's just like the social impact of like having alcohol makes people want to share more (laughs) i guess that's wacky yeah do we even need alcohol to have a good time no (laughs) does it help do we think we do (laughs) yes (laughs) so we know a lot about these good and bad things of alcohol that we'll discuss maybe a little later Mm -hmm. but like why is it legal? It seems like you hear all the dangerous things of <laughs> trying to move your notepad while I'm not making noise. <laughs> I successfully did it, except you called me out. <laughs> no, it's just so weird to watch. Yeah, it's like known for the car accidents it causes. It's mm-hmm. known for its heart disease and things that can happen, like long-term effects of it. Mm-hmm. So why is it, say, legal and like marijuana isn't if they have some similar like use statistics and things so like that? So I found one blog post because we are, we record these very quickly after I, I do any <laughs> research. But yeah, I found a, a post that listed out uh, basically six reasons why they believe that alcohol is legal. And let me just let me know if you disagree with any of these. All right. So number one says too many people drink and it links to that statistic from Pew Research that says 49% of people actively drink so you're gonna like make a lot of people angry yeah you ban it which is what prohibition happened kind Mm -hmm. of thing yeah and it links to that here in the end so it's like too many people drink which then number two makes the industry industry too strong so it brings in like i think it said i actually didn't write this down i think it said Mm -hmm. something like 11 billion dollars it might be more that seems kind of low actually but yeah something along those lines an outrageous amount of currency is Mm -hmm. you know spread then number three it's endorsed by many religions they have this kind of like ceremony where they drink alcohol and so you take it away from that, then people are like, well, it's my freedom of religion to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't give it to them and take it from everyone else. Exactly. Because we have freedom of religion, so it's freedom of not religion, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Number four says it's an ancient practice. And I thought this was really interesting. There is not a single moment in recorded history that does not have alcohol. It predates written history as far as we know there is like the oldest things have some sort of ceremony like involving an elixir or of something like Mm -hmm. that and so that can be assumed to be alcohol which i thought was kind of interesting to think about i was like that is that is an old practice in fact back in medieval times and stuff uh wine was consumed more than water because most of the time the alcohol content in the wine made the wine safer to drink than the water yeah i've heard (laughs) that with um ships and stuff like Mm -hmm. coming to america their grog or something Mm -hmm. that they used actually like had the lime infused into it yeah it's and getting scurvy yeah (laughs) yeah it's like it's Mm -hmm. such a weird thing to think about so the fact that they drank their Mm beer-esque liquor and the French drink they drink the their shock wine. top lemon brew yeah right <laughs> yeah since they drink their shock top and um, the French drink their barefoot wine um, <laughs> the British are actually stronger because their people didn't get scurvy as often yeah 
That's number four. Uh, number five is it's super easy to produce, especially like nowadays. Lots of people like just brewing their own like forms of wine in their bathtub. Yeah, you can buy like a little thirty dollar kit and mix them. Like. Yeah, you don't need to like spend an outrageous amount of money on like a still or something to make it. Mm-hmm. Well, like basic alcohols and stuff. You do need it for like gin or like distilled alcohols. So then number six is actually what we talked about earlier, which is prohibition. Prohibition costed way too much. So it lasted 14 years. To quote a writer at the time, H.L. Mencken, he says, in the first five years, it did nothing except for uh, rise against the arguments of prohibitionists. So <laughs> the crime rate rose as well as the rate of insanity, is what he says, I like to wow. kind of paraphrase. Mm-hmm. Basically, it did nothing but bad, costed too much to enforce people to not do it. The crime rate went up. So then like mm-hmm. police forces had to have more funding anyways and like have to deal with like all of those systems. But even like stronger, I read on one or two sites that said in the 20s and 30s, the government actually tried to poison alcohol uh, really? to keep people from doing it. And they still did it and killed over 10,000 people. <laughs> wow. uh, like, And that's that's only two sites that I read. I don't know how factual that is. Mm-hmm. I believe it is the thing. People like their alcohol a whole lot. So that's my six, seven-ish mm-hmm. kind of reasons why they believe. And I'm on its side of why it's legal. So a uh, little tangent. So that was the war on alcohol. It was mm-hmm. very expensive, deadly, mm-hmm. a big waste of time, uh, seemingly. Pretty much. George Bush initiated the war on drugs. Yeah. Very similar results, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It cost a lot of money. Drug rates actually rose over the time mm-hmm. or stayed the same. Now we're in an opioid epidemic. So that it didn't stop that part from happening anyways. Yeah. Is it just futile to like fight drugs and illicit substances if people are already have their hands on them? Um, yeah. I don't know. You can make that argument for a lot of things where it's like, mm-hmm. even if you try to get this away, there's still going to be people who get it anyways. Like mm-hmm. the bad people will always have it. You hear a very similar argument for guns uh, and mm-hmm. gun rights. It's like, oh, if you take away guns from everyone, well, the bad guys are still going to get guns. Anyways, but this isn't the gun. <laughs> to be fair, it's not yeah. um, bad people. Like yeah. you could say you can make an argument for like someone who kills people bad, but like mm-hmm. for just like someone who just wants to feel good on a drug. Yeah. They're not necessarily a bad person. And that makes them more likely to I do suppose it because they fair. don't view themselves as a the villain. There's not a whole lot of people I feel like that actually look at themselves is like i'm the bad guy <laughs> oh, for this sure. is what i do no there's no like real super villains but mm-hmm. no i see what you're saying that's a that's a really mm-hmm. good point yeah i guess my point is being like people in cartels and drug trades are still gonna try and find a way to make a mint off of this mm-hmm. because well one if you make it illegal all it's gonna do is drive that price up because yeah. now it's it's a lot higher risk to bring this drug or substance into the country or like make it in the country and distribute it so now they're gonna like actually be incentivized to do more because mm-hmm. it's it's more expensive now but now it's more expensive and people are less likely to buy because their dollar doesn't go as far mm-hmm. but you've got a bunch of people who are hooked on it so it almost doesn't even matter because they'll scrape and claw to get it mm-hmm. which alcohol actually has some of the same effects is like that in, in the case of like dependency uh, your brain learns to like want it and crave it, which is why alcoholism is such a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little more about alcoholism. Okay. It's kind of a odd thing because I don't think it necessarily like is linked to like very specific chemicals that mm-hmm. I found. It's not like oh dopamine right there. That's yeah. that's the one. I did look at a study about the emotions and stuff that are elicited through alcohols and mm-hmm. the different ones, and it showed that alcoholics claim that there's a rise in energy whenever mm-hmm. they drink. So it's literally something to get them through the day. Same way like someone say like a cigarette revitalizes them 
the same mm-hmm. way when you're hangry and you eat something you just feel better and so i think alcoholism is the same way it's like you feel low on energy but then when you have your little source then it just brings you back up to normal yeah. i've never experienced that personally like alcohol mm-hmm. just kind of makes me sleepy unless i'm like at a party like the thing that makes me like you know go ham mm-hmm. uh, is just the fact that there's a bunch of people there mm-hmm. and we're all socializing and everyone's like inhibitions are like lowered so people are like willing to talk to you about things i'm like i'm a pound this like alcohol get some like good old social stimulus and like approval because well, yeah look at this kid go look at these <laughs> chugging vodka <laughs> what an animal i'm like yeah <laughs> so really for me in that scenario all that i feel is like the rush of being around people who are also having a good time mm-hmm. like if i were to drink at like three in the afternoon and try to like get a pick me up now granted i don't have a whole lot of experience with day drinking my few ex- experiences mm-hmm. i have had don't leave me feeling particularly good <laughs> no yeah <laughs> so like now your body just doesn't have that thing that it thought it needed for that yeah. moment and your body's just kind of going through like a little symptoms mm-hmm. of withdrawal yeah, it, i have to like fight myself to try and drink in the day mm-hmm. so I yeah, definitely and there's a reason that. it's a night activity mm-hmm. it's because people just you want to go to bed and then mm-hmm. when you wake up you feel better yeah you, you kind of skip that little <laughs> phase where you're just a little groggy and a little mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. so i mean i guess i could see i mean for some people like the temporary like boost like when it smacks you in the face like mm-hmm. when you take like a shot of really bad like gin or vodka or something i mean that's the same reason i think that energy drinks do better when they don't taste good mm-hmm. is because like that bitter or whatever like smack is the thing that wakes you up more than the actual sugars or anything in it Mm -hmm. so i feel like to me it's almost placebo to do it and then your body just gets hooked on it and the more you believe it's helping the worse it is and the more your dependency grows Mm -hmm. now i've always heard that different people have different effects from alcohol Mm -hmm. like some people will say like oh whiskey makes me horny and wine Mm -hmm. makes me sleepy and like Mm -hmm. uh red wine makes me sad and something like that (laughs) and so you hear all these like different things and i was curious if, if you've personally experienced that or anything like that i have experienced some of it the thing that i've noted is like tequila is like an emotional alcohol is the one thing that seems to correlate in my experiences it's like oh yeah if my friends are drinking tequila like they're gonna break down crying later in the (laughs) night but if my friends are drinking like whiskey then they're gonna switch over to shots pretty soon and it's gonna be a party (laughs) (laughs) i've experienced like just that much i don't exactly know why i didn't really do research into this part Mm -hmm. of it i've got i've got two full pages i forgot to read that part of the outline (laughs) (laughs) so have you read anything about that yeah um so they kind of went into detail about age, men, women, like what's the difference? Mm-hmm. And it said that women report a certain emotion increase mm-hmm. from each kind of alcohol in every emotional category except for aggression. Okay. And then men overtake them in the aggression area because yeah. they, you know, have whiskey or whatever, and that makes them possibly sad or mm-hmm. horny or something, but it they most likely to... will make them aggressive. Yeah, they just don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's also a societal thing? Like, it's like, oh, this makes me sad, and I'm a man, and men aren't <laughs> supposed to cry, and now I'm crying, and yeah, I'm so angry. now I'm sadder, but I can't release it, so... Yeah. Or just like, now I'm horny, and I can't have sex with that woman over there, and now I'm just angry and <laughs> wanting to reproduce. <laughs> Goodness. They don't know how to deal with that kind of thing so do you think it could be like related to maybe not knowing how to handle those things Mm -hmm. yeah that they might equally be feeling the emotions but just can't express them in a certain Mm -hmm. way yeah i definitely could see where that would be true yeah i feel like our society definitely puts women in this area where it's like okay to be emotional Mm -hmm. i talked to like a bunch of my female friends and they're like all talking about like what they're scared of and what makes them cry (laughs) and like oh yeah i cried this morning for 20 minutes while i like tried to do my makeup and now i'm having a great day it's like really if i cry in the morning my day is done like it's (laughs) over i don't 
have anything else in me it's exhausting because i've been holding in that cry for four <laughs> years and now i'm just like now i want a drink <laughs> but uh alcohol dependency in my mind it kind of makes sense like having that mm-hmm. reaction to things purely because society says you have to like quote unquote be a man mm-hmm. and then so there's the gender difference of like how that could make you feel mm-hmm. and then there's the different kind of alcohols can also make you feel different mm-hmm. this study specifically separates wine and beer into a category the low level alcohols and then spirits you know vodkas whiskeys gins that mm-hmm. have a high percentage of alcohol and it was saying that when having beer and wine relaxation is a common thing that's reported whereas with the spirits it's the aggression the sadness the anger but at the same time they also have more happy emotions too so they just have greater emotional effects they'll report the energy the confidence the sexiness mm-hmm. yeah so. no one's like uh saying they get more energy from doing like it's like oh yeah i just need my midday beer yeah that'll, that'll <laughs> really get me going no uh yeah no i think i can see that i think it's kind of like the rate at which at which you're ingesting it mm-hmm. really helps just yeah and i think that's a lot because of the percentages not mm-hmm. so much because of like what they are like how yeah. they're produced yeah no i think it's like what's in it as well like you think about like a beer or a wine it's got a lot of filler in there you're not just drinking eight percent alcohol (laughs) you know just whatever it's not like a shot like that you're also drinking just like a lot of heavy stuff if you're drinking some beers Mm -hmm. it's like i feel pretty sleepy after like two (laughs) beers i'm like oh that's why usually if i'm going out to drink i'll start with you know the harder stuff like my spirits and then you go to to beer one because it's cheaper two because it's like oh i'm already at this place and now i just need to like maintain this plateau Mm -hmm. until the end of the night when it swoops down so yeah i think that has a good correlation there just being less aggressive and less emotional because you have less alcohol in you Mm -hmm. essentially yeah so is there like a point where it's like oh i feel buzzed but like my inhibitions aren't completely gone Mm -hmm. and then there's like another tier where it's like okay if i have three of these then i'm gonna be at a place where something's gonna come out whether Mm -hmm. it's good or bad or yeah and it, it has a lot to do with like the rate at which you consume it too like if i just have like one beer and i have like a beer every like 45 minutes or so like i'm just gonna be like at that tipsy place Mm -hmm. where it's like oh yeah you know i'm like maybe not feeling super like anything and sometimes not even anything at all because depends on like how big you are like with what is what is that your like blood alcohol content and so that has a lot to do with it like the percentage of it in your body and whatnot alcohol can like cause these emotions Mm -hmm. have you ever gone in drinking with these emotions trying to suppress them or move past them yes i have (laughs) it is not healthy no um uh, i mean that's kind of like what i said before you know just like i cry at the beginning of the day it's like well you know maybe i will have a drink to see if it makes me feel a little better i think for the most part i'm kind of a happy drunk like Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not usually like the crying in the bathtub type (laughs) it's just like oh yeah when i'm drinking normally i'm being social i don't do a lot of drinking alone Mm -hmm. mostly because like that feels like all alcoholic behavior to me (laughs) right it's like it's almost like the social stigma of yeah i just drank alone like mm -hmm. it's like going to the movies alone it's just like seems kind of weird even Mm -hmm. if it's not necessarily any worse yeah a little bit of that but also yeah i think it's mostly that actually Mm -hmm. like i don't drink alone just because i like to be in that place with other people Mm -hmm. and like of course on top of that if i say i drink alone it does sound like oh you have a problem (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i've definitely like been at like the end of a relationship before like breaking up with someone and then like that night that's actually how i got into drinking oh is, that uh, is not a good yeah thing. no it's a great great introduction <laughs> i'll tell the full story sometime but like yeah no i was at the end of a relationship and things were going real rough and so up to that point i had been a sober little good boy mm-hmm. uh hadn't even like actually even drank alcohol at all and then the partier was born so <laughs> uh yeah i drank and i definitely felt better but is very temporary it's like you know i feel better for that 
like night until mm-hmm. I pass out and then I wake up the next day and then you're hungover and sad <laughs> uh, well I mean I was I was kind of young I had like that young liver working hard you don't get hangovers at first people don't really tell you that because I think every like freshman feels like they're like a god when they go <laughs> in and they're like they wake up the next morning they're like I'm fine yeah. and then all of like their friends who supplied them with the alcohol like Ugh, I have a headache and they like <laughs> had like two wines or whatever mm-hmm. my theory behind that is like you're just younger and your body is better at processing it and then you get older and then it's like oh hey we're less efficient and run down because you drank so much before when you thought you were invincible. But yeah, I've I've gone in that place. I don't necessarily recommend it. I do have some good memories and good things learned. It's a good way to get like that good old street learning. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, have you ever done anything of that sort, like gone into drinking in an emotional state? No, I haven't. Yeah, I have only ever drank moderately and socially. I guess mm-hmm. moderately is a relative term. I've never like been mm-hmm. blackout drunk, but gotcha. I definitely have my fill. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I don't think I've ever felt like a different kind of emotion other than just, oh, I am less inhibited. I'm a little more confident. I can't walk quite as straight. Like, <laughs> the little things. Yeah. The little things. Hashtag just girly things. Little things he does. <laughs> you got to appreciate the little things. Like just being a little drunk. Yeah. Like being tipsy, slurring your words. All the mm-hmm. things that come with uh, inhibiting your frontal lobe. Yeah, apples to apples being a lot funnier now. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so much better. <laughs> Man, I thought the game was fun when I was like 10, but now I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> and then they came out with Cards Against Humanity, which is just like adult apples to apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know how they didn't sue. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, whatever. And like apples to apples, like, but that's, that's our game. <laughs> they literally have like an adult version of apples to apples, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's like a... a Apples to Apples Extreme. I think it's just called Apples to Apples Adult. Oh, that's (laughs) lame. But yeah, no, it's alcohol has lots of effects on your body. Uh, Should we transition and talk about, like, the benefits? Sure, yeah. Or is that next on the outline? I don't don't have it in front of me. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, no, we can definitely talk about that. So, yeah, we all have, like, our emotional states and stuff, but, like, what is it actually doing to Mm -hmm. your body? And so, do you know anything about these benefits? Uh, like, I have a whole page here well, on uh, on my scroll. <laughs> whip you that do out. write pretty big, so yeah. it's like <laughs> I have. Yeah, it's mostly just so everyone can understand it, also including me. But uh, yeah, I have a few different studies here on like and just like a general list of like benefits. And mm-hmm. so, just some of the benefits are uh, they say um, that it can lower your risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, as well as raising your libido, preventing colds, improving, sorry, lower your chance in, lowering your chance of diabetes, lowering your risk of stroke, decreasing your risk of dementia, and even like lengthening your life. So uh, starting up at the top here, we've got like Harvard uh, did a research that said moderate amounts of alcohol raises your levels of high density lipoprotein, which leads to good cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And that's their argument for saying that it lowers your risk of cardiovascular disease. So your blood doesn't clot. It doesn't like mm-hmm. yeah, create little holes in your, not holes in your arteries, uh, clots in your arteries. And yeah. Things it like doesn't that. like build up plaque, but that's with moderate amounts. So moderate is like a really seems like a really general term, but it's actually very specific. So a moderate amount is 12 ounces of beer, five ounces of wine, or one and a half ounces of spirits. Okay. Uh, so that's about one shot. Uh, mm-hmm. So just like one standard drink for each of them. Yeah. Each um, of the categories. Well, wine is a little bit funky because they say like one glass of wine and you think of a glass of wine and you're like, oh, that's a fair amount, like that like goblet. What they really mean is like that little tiny, like about inch and a half up from the bottom of the glass okay. full. <laughs> but yeah, what I was seeing was that uh, wine, the five ounces is about like uh, an infant bottle. Okay. Like just like the really small ones. And then 12 ounces of beer is about a beer. So, like, that's not a whole lot. And no. they say that you should only have that, like, a couple times a day, mm-hmm. if even that. And so the next one I have 
like using that same like uh, increment is the one that says that it lengthens your life by 18%. That seems wrong to me because yeah. you think of like car accidents, liver mm-hmm. disease, cancers yeah, and stuff. I think they're just saying like physical health, not like that, but also it says small amounts. Yeah. So you have like a really small amount of wine, preferably red with your meals. But then this study was done with people who had like a very strict like Mediterranean kind of diet. So it's like lots of fish and vegetables and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then it says have no wine, very specifically none the rest of the day (laughs) and then this one that i thought was like just really crazy is it prevents the modern cold is their claim and so they said 14 glasses of wine a week based on a study in 1993 of 367 people had found that people who drank that much versus people who didn't drink at all had a 60 percent reduction of getting the cold Mm -hmm. see i could see why that would be true this is not like from a study or anything but just mm-hmm. like my comment like bringing things together mm-hmm. and how alcohol can reduce stress stress produces cortisol cortisol mm-hmm. sets down lots of bodily functions like your immune system mm-hmm. so if you're reducing your stress you're reducing your chance of getting the common cold yeah. but yeah no that's crazy mm-hmm. like to think yes it's an effect but it's not maybe like directly linked to it mm-hmm. and i think we we're seeing that with a lot of like these like benefits of it is like, oh, yeah, it lowers your blood pressure, which means you're less likely to have a stroke, mm-hmm. which means you're less likely to have, like, these other conditions. And you're not going to have as much, like, heart muscle damage because you're going to be more chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's like, yes, alcohol does this, but it also has, like, these other effects on your body. The whole thing relates back to most of them, specifically note red wine. And do you have anything about, like, why red wine? I know that it would be because it's made of fruit, and then mm-hmm. certain fruits have different antioxidants and things mm-hmm. like that in it. I don't know if there's a specific chemical yeah. or something. Uh, it's called Reservatrol. Reservatrol. Yeah, sure, there like that. Basically, it's something that can be found in blueberries, grapes, mulberries, uh, and even peanuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a chemical that's produced when the fruit or plant thinks it's under attack from bacterial which invasion. is the fermentation process yeah okay so it believes it's under attack so it releases this this chemical which is essentially in itself because it fights bacteria uh, bacterial and pathological uh, invasions uh, it is essentially an antioxidant and so people think that this makes things better but then looking further into like this specific chemical and like why it makes red wine like healthier there's no definitive uh, relationship between that and actual health benefits i was watching your research and you typed in reservatrol literally like you clicked on like wikipedia or something and the first thing was like there is no conclusive study yeah. like, <laughs> whatever uh, we're about to say cannot be guaranteed yeah <laughs> so. i think it was like it was like it explained what it was and then like immediately under like these are the facts about what it is the specific chemical makeup and whatever right under that it was like yeah no definitive results and then moved <laughs> on to the rest of like the study <laughs> i was like wow that's that's kind of interesting it's like could just also be another one of those like placebo things like we believe that this red wine is better and thus it will be and i think there's a lot of examples of that history with like witch doctors and what have you where they do this ritual and have this whole like show that makes the person believe they're going to get better Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of times they do even in I believe it was you that told me about the study. Yeah, there was a study done. Um, you can listen to a podcast called Science Versus by Gimlet Media. They talk extensively about it. But there was a study where they gave people placebos and then they told some of the people that they gave them a placebo. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're getting a placebo and they know they have a placebo. So literally they're just taking a sugar pill. And a woman with irritable bowel syndrome got better and there's no solution right now no medicine for irritable bowel syndrome and she tried all the different things on the market she said even though she knew she was getting a placebo 
something worked and it got better. I mean, so it's merely the ritual and the process of taking it that might have made her better. What if like the cure for irritable irritable bowel syndrome was just sugar pills? <laughs> it was the whole it's time. Like it's the just whole sugar. Time. It's it has like, to be concentrated into pill yeah. form. <laughs> it's just like specifically like, that specific like shape or whatever. It just uh-huh. like fills in the holes in your bowels <laughs> or whatever like that. Goodness. No. But yeah, no, it's just wild like what the human imagination can do for the body, not mm-hmm. just like actual chemical benefits. Definitely. So we've named off some of these benefits like the most of it's blood related and heart related mm-hmm. that like reducing stroke and heart disease and stuff. Oh, people, also diabetes. Sorry, diabetes. I that. Mm-hmm. And people have wanted alcohol to be good for you for eternity, <laughs> I'm sure. They're like, man, if I can do this thing that makes me feel good and it's better for me. Like, so you can see where scientists may have imagined results and mm-hmm. things like that. I listen to another podcast, also the Science Verses, and they quote their sources very well. So I recommend it to anyone. After um, this podcast, of course. Yes. No, <laughs> do not stop this podcast. Yeah. A man named Tim Stockwell, a professor of psychology in Alberta, he looked at other people's studies on the fact that moderate drinks can reduce heart-related disease. Mm -hmm. And he noticed a statistic that showed a lot of these studies used alcohol drinkers versus non-alcohol drinkers. And when you look closer at who the non-alcohol drinkers are, it's these people called sick quitters. And the sick quitters are people who probably at one point drinked pretty heavily, but now are required not to drink by a doctor because of their health purposes. Hmm. So when they're looking at studies showing these people who don't drink are still getting heart attacks, it's because usually they're older, sicker, and at one point possibly drank very heavily and their organs are damaged because of it. I feel like you should screen for that kind of stuff when you're like looking mm-hmm. for like... But if you're looking for certain results and let's mm-hmm. say big alcohol is pushing for like good results yeah, and stuff big alcohol Sorry, i just say that, that. Funny. <laughs> there's big pharma there's big whatever i just assume that every company has a big and mm-hmm. it's just like they're yeah. forcing the government i mean to it's not things. a wrong assumption you know a lot of industries do but yeah i just thought mm-hmm. it was funny but yeah no yeah. that makes sense and then so they screened out a bunch of these studies that just picked anyone who was a non-alcohol drinker mm-hmm. they figured out which ones actually screened for the sick quitters and that the results were way less impactful like almost non-existent oh wow so it really makes that argument like kind of go down the drain mm-hmm. and so so it's like yeah alcohol could just be bad for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> because we do have a lot of negative effects mm-hmm. we've named off some good ones that may or may not be true yeah uh, but there are some very true ones that you have written down <laughs> yeah. here do you want to share those with us yeah i, I would love to so, you know strap in because there's it's a about to be the end of, of a depression medication yeah. <laughs> commercial where it's like whatever yeah, they just like list all the terrible things whatever um, so uh just to like really like dial this in here uh so all it takes to be considered like a heavy drinker according to mayo clinic and like their generalized results and everything is more than four drinks a day or 14 drinks a week so pretty okay. much what the other study was suggesting is still considered heavy drinking uh, by like medical standards you said four drinks a day or four drinks a week four drinks a day or 14 drinks a week okay so like not like specifically per day but like Mm -hmm. more than four drinks in one day like you can have less than 14 but like Mm -hmm. if you do that like every day then it's bad and the others the moderate drinking studies were saying that you should only have one a day Mm -hmm. maybe yeah and then one of them was saying i think specifically said yeah 14 glasses of wine a week for the preventative cold Okay, so that's considered heavy drinking at that yeah. point, right at the bottom threshold of mm-hmm. heavy drinking. And of course, that's for people less than or equal to 65, roughly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you do heavy drinking, then it can lead to risks such as cancer, all breast, throat, esophagus, and liver. Just, you know, just your entire torso kind yeah. of thing. Who needs those? Pancreatitis, cardiovascular disease, heart muscle failure, stroke, high blood pressure, liver disease, suicide, 
brain damage, fetal alcohol syndrome, and then prone to accidents. And then other studies I read said that, you know, frontal lobe damage can cause diarrhea, infertility, and osteoporosis, which is thinning of the bones, Mm -hmm. which I had actually never heard of, like that being linked to that. Mm -hmm. And I did a little bit more research and basically what happens is alcohol interferes with your body's ability to balance calcium. And so because of that, uh, you know, not enough calcium is going to your bones. And I don't know exactly how it interacts with with that. I didn't get quite that deep into it. But yeah, that's like a lot of things. It's like Mm -hmm. bones, heart, pancreas, liver, And something we kind of glossed over was accidents, which is huge. Like We've all heard the car accident statistic. Yeah, I think I saw that one third of car accidents are alcohol related. That would not surprise me at all. I yeah, did not look up the <laughs> source of that number, but... Come on, no, We're sorry. an educational podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is a large amount. Another statistic I saw was 44% of hospital beds are being filled by people who have alcohol-related damage to their body. Mm-hmm. So that is a lot. <laughs> I mean, that that's, yeah, especially if you yeah. look at my statistic from 2015, where it's saying 49% of people drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's... A lot of people just going into the hospital eventually if they continue like their quote unquote heavy drinking. That's a lot of bad considering like the goods and how the goods are maybe mostly skewed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and if, a lot of like intangible things, like emotional yeah. things, and it's like, oh, I'm more confident. And yeah, things like that. I'm more confident. Or maybe I won't get the cold this <laughs> I, year. Like, I feel sexy, but my liver doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the Rick and Morty quote? This remind me. It was like, that's the hardest working liver in the galaxy. Yeah. Now it's got a hole in it. <laughs> yeah. Your body just purely was not meant to process the this mm-hmm. specific set of, of chemicals. Because your liver can process the alcohol, but it can mm-hmm. do it very slowly. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, it's just hanging out in your blood going throughout your entire nervous system, mm-hmm. affecting everything a little bit. And so... Uh, it's bad. It's so, bad. It's not good. You shouldn't do mm-hmm. it. Knowing this, Noah, are you still going to drink? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. Because I also won't stop. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it feels good and because socially it's mm-hmm. accepted. Yeah. And you can tell yourself whether it's true or not that like you don't drink that much. Like, mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I do. And it'll be a very short period of my life that mm-hmm. I am drinking. So Especially I feel the more like- you drink. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> then it'll literally it'll be a higher percentage, but a little shorter yeah. amount of years. But yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to end was talking about how does your perception of alcohol change as you grow older? Uh, uh, I think like well, like even now and like I've been technically I've been drinking for like about three years, mm-hmm. and I say that there was a stint in there where like I I just gave up drinking for like I want to say like four months, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. I lost like at least like. 10 pounds just mm-hmm. like cutting out alcohol <laughs> and, and and soda from yeah. like my diet so yeah that stuff just like chills out in your body i think as you get older it's just like depending on your personality of course you just kind of realize you don't super need it mm-hmm. like it becomes a social lubricant more and less of like i need this to party and have fun so now having like my quote-unquote three years of experience i'm less likely to seek out a party every night of the week Mm -hmm. uh, and more likely to just like chill at home and have a couple drinks and play mario party Mm -hmm. yeah i wanted to bring that up because i feel like when i was younger like alcohol is something that's like praised and glorified Mm -hmm. and like you're almost encouraged to do it like oh go Mm -hmm. seek out a party you're not fun if you don't do it during high school and things like that and you realize like as you get older you're like I don't need this. It's mm-hmm. kind of bad for me. It's really bad for me, actually. Mm-hmm. But and it doesn't bring a whole lot of benefits. And as I look to people older than me, uh, my brother, who's five years older than me, like he only drinks at very like special occasions, like mm-hmm. weddings and like maybe big family get-togethers. Mm-hmm. And 
I think I like asked, I was like, does your brother drink? And he's like, no, he's 27. Like, obviously he doesn't drink mm-hmm. a whole lot because he's not young and a partier. And it's like, yeah. oh, because the social stigma mm-hmm. is as you get older, you probably shouldn't be a partier as much because that's not mature. Yeah, you have to grow up at some point, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes me want to drink more. <laughs> like, I don't, don't want to grow. grow up. I'm yeah. a child who breaks the law. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, fuck you as I throw a beer bottle at a cop. <laughs> Yeah, growing up sucks because you can't do a lot of things. Mm. And yeah, you do have to. I mean, part of it is, you know, drinking less if you want to be reasonable. Because, like, I feel like, so you look at your brother, and your brother's like a really interesting example because he's also like a specimen of a man. <laughs> um, so, like, he's in, he's in good shape. But then you look at, like, uh, like, someone else who just is about the same age but drinks. It's like, oh, you're a lot more pudgy and yeah. like you just look a little older mm-hmm. it's like your body is spending so much time on like other resources like keeping your mm-hmm. liver alive it doesn't bother <laughs> to like deal with sleep or your your brain function mm-hmm. or how your body like stores fats and, and that's one of the problems with like the lower percentage alcohols is because mm-hmm. like people might still drink to get the same amount of intoxicated mm-hmm. but they have so much more that comes with them and yeah. there's a lot of calories in beer and a lot of sugar and wines mm-hmm. and like those things belly. are just bad for you as well yeah a beer belly is just like specifically mm-hmm. like those like carbs that you get from drinking those like empty things so in a sense is as far as like weight goes I'm not saying that it's like healthier, but if you want to be hotter and not have a beer belly, <laughs> it's better to just drink vodka. <laughs> there you go. Words to live by. <laughs> yeah. Just drink vodka. Mm-hmm. Joey Moreno, 2019. <laughs> so in conclusion, alcohol is the third deadliest lifestyle cause of death. So mm. just something to think about. You can still do it, but just know the effects and the consequences and be cognizant of the stuff around you. Be safe. Yeah. What, what is it? It's like consume responsibly. Yeah. And that's all we're asking of you guys. Yeah, that's all we're asking of ourselves, too. Mm -hmm. So we can't force anything more upon you. Yeah, no, we'll just do, like, a couple more drunk live streams. And just drink way too much, and the live stream will end in 40 Mm -hmm. minutes. And And then it'll be deleted instantly. (laughs) No, I think they're still up somewhere. Somewhere. Hidden. (laughs) Hidden. You guys have to go through, like, uh, I set up this 14-part puzzle. You guys can find it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you guys can also find us everywhere yeah (laughs) anywhere you listen to podcasts email us humorish.tm at gmail.com if you guys want to hear a specific subject be conversed about for a little bit do a little bit of research um and you can find us on twitter at humorish underscore tm that's that's all the places to find us (laughs) give us a like show us your love tell us something that we don't know talk to you next week yeah bye bye (laughs) another good one hey Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this Humorish podcast. If you liked it, check out our other content. You can email your topic suggestions to humorish.tm at gmail.com. You can also find us on YouTube or on Twitter at humorish underscore tm or use the hashtag NoahAsked. The podcast music was Watercolors by Vic Davie.